And the Israelites during their captivity were asking, where's God? Where's God in all of this? We've been taken into captivity. We're living like eunuchs. We, we, I mean, we, we, we are famine. We are, uh, the Jerusalem has been destroyed. Where is God in all of this? And through the threads of Ezekiel, God says, listen, where's God? Where's God? I'm going to take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to come in and live with you and be in you. You see, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of devastation. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. But you know what? I know that my Savior, my Redeemer lives. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the third chapter. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 16 and 17. We're going to read from there, and there's a purpose for that. And then we're going to the book of Ezekiel. We're going to go to the book of Ezekiel. And uh, uh, so keep your finger there. And then, well, in fact, let's read from first, 2 Timothy first. And, and then we'll go to the book of Ezekiel. And we're going to be starting a new series this, this morning. Now, I have been wrestling with this. I'm just going to be honest. This is one of those series that I have really been struggling with and wrestling with because I've never done the entire book of Ezekiel. I've just kind of just did, you know, you know, the valley of dry bones and, you know, you're going to make a heart of stone into a heart of flesh and things like that. But the Lord has laid this book upon my heart to share for some reason. And so I have really been sharing it and or praying about it and reading it and, and going over all the stuff. And, uh, and so I feel like God is wanting to speak to you and I as a church today. And I believe that this is going to be very relevant for us today in the time that we're living in. But let's read 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse 16 and 17. The Bible, Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, All Scripture, all Scripture, and I want to emphasize that, all Scripture, not just a portion of it, not just what you like, but all Scripture is given, or is God-breathed, I should say. All Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, that's you and I, that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now this morning I want us to look, take a look at the book of Ezekiel. And as we look at the book of Ezekiel, and for some reason, there it is. I'm in uh, another book, but anyway, the book of Ezekiel. I want us to look at the book of Ezekiel. Now, I'm going to be honest. This book of Ezekiel can be a very confusing book because it has a lot of illustrations, a lot of visions that, that, uh, 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 that God gives to Ezekiel. In fact, it's a very unique book and that God gives these illustrations to demonstrate to the children of Israel what he is doing or what he's going to do and what's going to take place. And some of the things that he's asking Ezekiel to do are just out of this world. 
I mean, they are just weird. They're just unusual. In fact, you could almost say that, Ezekiel, what I want you to do, I'm going to give you a word. I want you to prophesy, but in your prophesying, I want you to do it theatrical. I want you to do it like you're on street theater. I want you to go out into the street, and I want you to act out what I'm talking or illustrating to the children of Israel. And he asked him to do some wild stuff. I mean, I want you to lay on your side for 390 days. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't lay still an hour. And you want him to lay on your side for 390 days to kind of show the years of your sin. And then I want you to take human, well, he says, I want you to take human poop. I want you to take human poop, and I want you to cook your food with human poop. And Ezekiel says, God, I have never done that. That's unclean. I have never done that. No, nothing ever unclean have I ever tasted or eaten. God, I can't do that. And God says, okay, then take cow poop and do it. We'll get into that later on. So the book is just a book that can really be confusing with all the illustrations and all the visions that he asked. And so you may ask the question, how is this book and the events described in it relevant for us today? And I believe that's a very good question. But I believe there's something important for you and I to learn from the book of Ezekiel, or God would not have allowed it to be canonized in his word. So what is God wanting us to learn from the Israelites' history, and how can we apply it to our lives today? And so I believe that for a moment, I've got to give you a little bit of background for this book, because this is a new series. Got to give you a little background for this book. This book is written over a 20-year period while the Israelites are in Babylonian captivity. Now, most of us know the old, uh, a lot of the Old Testament. We know the first part, you know, where God, God created the heavens and the earth. We know about Moses, and we know about King David, and we know about, you know, the Israelites taking into the promised land. We know a lot of that stuff. And, but when it comes down to the last part of the Old Testament, we don't know that much about it. In fact, you'll find in 2 Chronicles, the 36th chapter, one chapter, one chapter in 2 Chronicles, the 36th chapter, covers this period that Ezekiel is in. If you go to 2 Kings, the 24th and the 25th chapter, you'll find two chapters that cover this period. But here, Ezekiel takes 48 chapters to describe and write about this 20-year period that God gives visions and prophecy to Ezekiel. So the Israelites are in Babylonian captivity. Now, there is a dark tone to this book. I'm just going to be honest. This is why I struggled with it. There is a dark tone to the book 
And God, as I said, will ask Ezekiel to do some strange things to illustrate how the Israelites have departed from him and the judgment to come and even the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, let me go back. You know the story, or I hope that you're familiar with the story, how that God delivered the children of Israel from bondage. God delivered them from Pharaoh, from Egypt, from slavery and bondage. And God delivered them and brought them into the promised land. And as God is bringing them into the promised land, he meets with them on Mount Sinai, and he gives them a code to live by. We call it the law. We call it sometimes the Ten Commandments. But he gives them a code to live by. And you say, well, why did God give them a code or a law to live by? Well, the reason that God gives a law is because the only thing that the Israelites had known was captivity. All they had known was slavery for the last 400 years. That's all they have known over this pan. All they've known is a lifestyle of slavery and bondage. And so God is setting them free from bondage, and he gives them some guidelines, some laws and principles to live by so that they can live a very prosperous or a very good life. And so he gives them the law of God, and he says, this is what I want you to do when I bring you into the promised land. And so he brings them into the promised land. And as he brings them into the promised land, they start off by having judges over them. They were the judges ruled over Israel. There was no king because God was their king. God wanted to be their king, and God didn't want to really have any other kings, but he gave them, he gave them judges. Well, the children of Israel were so greedy, and they wanted what everybody else had, and they wanted a king, and so finally God said, okay, you can have a king. And so, of course, they gave him King Saul was the first one. And, of course, King Saul rebelled against God, disobeyed God, and brought King David up to rank. And King David is a man after God's heart, and and King David ruled and reigned over Israel. And then following King David, there was Solomon. And Solomon reigned over Israel. And, And during this time... Israel was very prosperous, was very powerful, was a a nation uh, that that couldn't be stopped. But as we talked about a few weeks ago, King Solomon and all of his wisdom and all of his knowledge just didn't do what God said. And so following King Solomon, we find the history of Israel that Israel began to have a civil war and Israel became divided to Israel and Judah, Israel and Judah. And so now you've got two kings that are, uh, instead of one, you've got two kings in a divided Israel. And then for the next several hundred years, the kings begin to get worse and worse and worse. And the people begin to rebel against God. They lay God's law aside they, they cast God aside. They will not, I mean, you can go on and we can talk about, a lot about this, but basically they just do their own thing and disregard their relationship with God. They disregard it. And they become evil. In fact, God even says of them, he says, you are worse. You have the law. You had a relationship with me and you are worse than the infidels. You are worse than your surrounding nations that did not have the law. You are worse than they are. 
And this is what God eventually says about them. And so we got this place where that, that God is, is, is trying. He's, God sends the prophets. He sends all the prophets to Israel. Now, I told somebody last week, I do not. I thank God I am not a prophet because prophets get stoned. I don't want to be stoned. But God sent them prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet trying to get them back on track. God loved them. God cared about them. They were God's chosen people. God had a covenant with them. And God kept sending prophet after prophet after prophet to bring them back on track where they should be in a relationship with him. But instead, they kept rebelling and rebelling and being stubborn. In fact, there was one king, one king at the age of eight years old that came onto the scene, and it looked like there might be some reformation. There might be some reform of the Israelites and Josiah, King Josiah, when he was eight years old, came on and he began to do away with the altars and, and, and do away with all the idols and everything. But that was just short-lived. And it was during this time period that of Josiah that Ezekiel is born. Ezekiel is born. And Ezekiel is not only born, but he's a Levite. And as a Levite, he is destined to be a priest. And so in his younger years, he is being trained in the priestly duties in the priesthood. But yet the children of Israel kept rebelling and rebelling and rebelling. And finally, God said, enough is enough. I've had enough. And he uses a king in Babylon called Nebuchadnezzar who doesn't even know God or believe in God. He uses this king as a tool to discipline the children of Israel. And Nebuchadnezzar comes in and takes over Israel and disperses the leaders. Now get this, disperses the priests, the leaders of Israel, and takes them a thousand miles away back into Babylon, which is today modern Iraq. Takes them back there. And there they are taken into captivity for the next 70 years as prophesied by the prophets. Now Ezekiel is... 25 years old when Nebuchadnezzar comes in and takes over Israel. And, ne and Ezekiel, at the age of 25, is taken to Babylon in captivity. And for five years, Ezekiel is living in captivity in Babylon. He's 25 years old. And for the next five years, he lives there and at the age of 30, and I think that's unique, that at the age of 30, God begins to reveal himself to him. You see, the priests couldn't start their duties until they were 30 years old. And at the age of 30, priests, I mean, Ezekiel begins to get these visions and prophetic words that God is going to do for Israel. So you'll find in the book of Ezekiel a 20-year period during this captivity. 
In fact, you'll find that Ezekiel never leaves the geographical area of Babylon. But God tells him what's going to happen to Jerusalem. In fact, during this time, Jerusalem decides to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar kind of squashes it down, gets rid of the king, and puts someone else in place. And when Nebuchadnezzar comes in the second time, he does what God had told the Israelites that he would do. He destroys the entire city of Jerusalem, tear down the temple, burns its walls, and devastates the holy city. Does it? Does exactly what Ezekiel begins to prophesy about. Now, what I want us to do this morning for just a moment I want us to give you an overall theme. There are four, I would say, four overall themes in the book of Ezekiel that I think are so important and so relevant for you and I today. All Scripture is God-breathed and is given for what? Correction, for teaching, for rebuke, to train us in the ways of the Lord. And so I believe that God has given us this book today and he makes it relevant to us today because we can look back at history and say, God, what are you speaking to us today about? And the first thing I want us to look about is that sin is a serious matter. Sin is a serious matter and and sin bears consequences. In fact, we we were told in the New Testament that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none good but one, and that is God and and God alone. And and we can go on and talk about it. But I want us to realize that, that sin is a very serious matter to God. Very serious. And I'm afraid today we don't look, if we're not careful, we won't look at sin as being serious. Oh, well, God will forgive me, you know, and, uh, you know, all I got to do is ask, and if, 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 and, if I, and if I ask Jesus to forgive me, he will forgive me, but I, and, and that's true, that's true, that's true, I don't want to downplay that, but I really want us to understand that sin is serious to God, and it bears consequences. The unfaithfulness, the unfaithfulness of Jerusalem or the Israelites, the unfaithfulness, they kept going and kept going and kept disobeying and kept rebelling. And in fact, God even says to Ezekiel, he said, I'm going to give you a, a stone forehead so it will, so you can stand up against their stone hearts. They are stone-hearted. They're, 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 they're so rebellious. They're so stubborn. They've got a stone heart. And I'm going to give you a stone forehead so you can, you can stand up against their stone hearts. And what I want us to realize today is that sin is a serious matter to God. And it should be a serious matter to us. Sin is something that we should not take lightly. That when we do sin, immediately the spirit of conviction should grip our heart. I pray that the spirit of conviction would grip our heart and that it would grip our heart in such a way that, that, that oh God, I'm so sorry for what I did. But you see, the Israelites weren't even sorry. 
they weren't repentant. Now, you know, I hear people say, you know, they, they, they come down and they give the, the judgment. I heard, in fact, I got somebody the other day that I, I sent me a word and said, you know, this is what's going to happen to the United States. And, you know, repent, repent, repent. And, you know, there was no threat of hope to me. It was just kind of, you know, doom and gloom. And I don't want that, this to come out in this message of doom and gloom, but I do want us to come out and realize that sin is a very serious matter, and sin does bear consequences. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. What we see happening in the world today is a consequence of our sin. Now, you say, well, no, that's not, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's just life. It's a consequence of our sin. Now, I know you don't want to hear that, but sin is a serious matter, and sin bears consequences. You know, this week I've been praying. I, 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 can I be just transparent with you? My heart has been heavy. My heart has been broken. I, I, I just I feel the weight of what's going on in our culture, in our society, and the COVID, and and all the things that are going on. And then this week, when Afghanistan happened and everything transpired there, I'm just going to tell you, I got angry. I'm being I'm being honest. I got angry. I, I got so angry. I, and and this is I, this is what I said to myself. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I said to myself, "How stupid are we that we have done what we've done?" I mean, really, how dumb are we that we've done what we've done? And I got so angry at our leaders. And then God spoke to me and he said, Randy, you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to pray for your leaders that God, that I will, that, that they will have a revelation of who I am. That they will have a relation, a revelation of who I listen. When you look at the first chapter of, of Ezekiel, you'll find that Ezekiel was just sitting out on a riverbank, and all of a sudden he gets a revelation of who God is and what's beginning to take place. And I'm praying today, God, would you give our leaders a divine revelation of who you are? Would you give them a divine revelation? And don't just give our leaders a divine revelation, but all of a sudden God began to speak to me and he said, you need to pray for the, 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 the uh, well, my mind just went blank. Who's taking over Afghanistan? Taliban. You need to pray for the Taliban. Pray for the Taliban that they'll get a revelation of who I am. And I thought, oh, my God, what a great opportunity for God to show forth his glory and power to a nation that all of a sudden doesn't know God, that all of a sudden they get a revelation of who the real God is. And so I began to pray for the Taliban, and then I began to pray for ISIS, and I began to pray for Al-Qaeda. Oh, God, give them a divine revelation. Give our leaders, give our country, give our nation, give the world a divine revelation of who you are. That's what Ezekiel, he got a revelation of who God was and God, what God was going to do. 
So I began to pray, God, give them a revelation. Show forth your glory. We sing that, that song, show forth your glory, show your glory, show your glory. God, I want you to show your glory in such a way that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. But God began to speak to me and he says, listen, sin is a very serious matter. And it bears consequences. And what you're, the ripple effect, what you're feeling in the world today, what you're feeling in your world today, what you're feeling and seeing in your world today is a ripple effect of the consequences of the sins of our leaders in mankind. And the second revelation or the second theme seems to be God is a loving, kind, and merciful God. But there will be a time where God, that God will follow through with his judgment of sin. So God uses King Nebuchadnezzar, who doesn't even know God, to discipline the children of God. And God will not only judge the children of Israel for their sins, but he's going to judge the surrounding nations because the surrounding nations are mocking Israel. They're making fun of Israel. Look at what God has done to the nation of Israel. And God finally says, okay, okay, you're making fun of my people. You're making fun of my children. You're making fun of my chosen ones. Well, I want you to know I might be disciplining them now. I might be passing judgment upon them now, but there's a time coming when you're going to face judgment too, and that God is faithful to judge sin. Now hear me. Sin has to be judged. Sin is a serious matter. It bears consequences. Sin has to be judged. But did you know that about 400 years later, God sent his one and only son into the world to bear the weight of sin, to bear the weight of the sin of the world upon his shoulders, and he nailed the sins of the world to the cross. And so when you accept Jesus, when you accept him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know today, when I look at the cross and I see the cross of Christ, I reflect and I remember the cross of Christ, I want you to know that God is faithful and has to judge sin. But you know what he did? He took my sin and nailed it to the cross, and it was through the death of our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through the shedding of his blood, that my sins have already been judged. Oh, I love that. I love the fact that God says, listen, I have to deal with sin. I'm a just God. I'm a holy God. And I have to deal with sin. But I'm also kind and merciful. And if you will receive my son as your Lord and Savior, I will judge your sin on the cross that he bears, that he suffered and died on, so that when I see you, I don't have to deal with your sin because I already dealt with it in my son. Wow. I don't know about you, but that just picks me up. 
And even with all the things going on in the world, and I'm still seeing the ripple effect of sin, and even though I'm seeing and even feeling the ripple effect of sin, I know that my personal sins have been judged on the cross of Jesus Christ, and I don't have to worry about God judging me because it's already judged. Already judged. And third, there are threads of hope for all of us. And that all of us have the opportunity to be treated justly by God. Even though, now hear me, even though we may corporately and collectively experience the consequences of sin as a nation because of our leaders and our own actions, and we have all felt the ripple of sin in this world, even if that sin was not our own. This is important. You and I know today that we are feeling the effects, the consequences, the ripple effect of sin. Are we not? We've got people today that are, that are afflicted. We've got this pandemic. We've got all this stuff going on in the world. And listen, this pandemic and this COVID and, 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 and all these things, these diseases and everything, are not affecting just the world and sinful people. They're affecting us as Christians. They are. I mean, I've got, yesterday, I was constantly getting texts and on the phone about people in the hospital, people that, that are afflicted with COVID and, 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 and cancer and different things, and, and it's a ripple effect. It's affecting all of us, all of mankind. And I wish I could tell you, it may not because it may your sins may be judged on the cross. They may be nailed to the cross, but there's a ripple effect that's affecting all of us. Now hear me. But God will deal with each person, each person in response to how they respond to his will. His word. You see, before, God made it clear. Your children and your children's children and your children's children to the fourth generation are going to bear the sins of the Father. You know what that means? That means that if, that if I live a lifestyle of sin, that my children are going to bear the consequences of it, my grandchildren are going to bear the consequences, and my great-grandchildren are going to bear the consequences of the sin. Now, that was the law. That was the Old Testament. But under the New Testament, since Jesus Christ has come, my children are not going to bear my sin. If I sin, I'm going to bear my own sin. If my children sin, they're going to bear their own sin. They don't have to bear my sin for four generations. The curse has been broken. The curse has been broken. And I'm telling you, that's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the good news that, listen, even though even though that, 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 that I'm judging and I, there's consequences to your sin, I want you to know I'm going to deal justly with you as an individual. And you as an individual are going to have to respond to your own 
You're on sin. And see, I love this. The fact that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and that my sins are nailed to the cross or covered in his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness. But when Jesus shed his blood, my sins have been nailed. They have been judged. They have been taken care of. I'm not going to be paying for somebody else's sin. Though I may have, there may be consequences in this life, and there may be ripple effects of it, I'm not going to have to pay for somebody else's sin. I'm going to be judged individually. That's good news. That's good news, folks. And the Israelites during their captivity were asking, where's God? Where's God in all of this? We've been taken into captivity. We're living like eunuchs. We, we, I mean, we, we, we are famine. We are, uh, the Jerusalem has been destroyed. Where is God in all of this? And through the threads of Ezekiel, God says, listen, where's God? Where's God? I'm going to take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. In other words, I'm going to come in and live with you and be in you. You see, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of devastation. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. But you know what? I know that my Savior, my Redeemer lives. And I know that he lives inside of me. Where is my God today in all of the stuff that's going on and the killing and the murders and, and, the, and the sickness and all? Where is my God? He's right here. And he's taken my heart of stone and made it into a heart of flesh so I could have a relationship with a loving, living, gracious, merciful God. Wow. Where is God? That's what the Israelites were asking. Where is God in all of this? And God was giving threads of hope throughout the book of Ezekiel. Oh, you may be facing judgment now. You may be bearing the consequences of your rebellion and your sin. But I want you to know there's coming a time of restoration. There's coming a time when I'm going to live within you. I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. I want you to know there's going to come a time when there's chaos in the world. You're going to have the peace of God that passeth all understanding that will keep your heart and your mind in the person of Jesus Christ. I want you to know, I want you to know that I'm not, that I'm always going to be in you and be with you for eternity. And I'm telling you today, when I get overwhelmed and I get heavy and I see what's going on, I have to refocus and say, God, where are you? And God says, I'm right with you. I'm in you. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. Even in the moment of death, I'm going to be with you. I heard this week, conversation that some children were having with their parents in Afghanistan. You probably heard it. 
And they said, Mama, even if they come in, we will not denounce Jesus Christ. And they came in and killed them all. One of the underground churches killed them all. But they did not denounce Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, you say, well, why would God allow that to happen? The ripple effects of sin bear consequences, and sometimes it affects us. But you know something? Not one moment, not one moment did God leave them and did God forsake them. God took them home to be with him. So I'll share that with you. The threads of hope. In fact, you'll find through the the last part of Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. He tells them, I'm going to reserve or preserve a remnant, preserve a remnant, and how I'm going to create. I'm going to create or make a new temple. And out of that temple is going to flow a river. And out of that river, there's going to be healing for the nations, and there's going to be life. That temple refers again to Revelation, the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new temple. And notice the last words of Ezekiel. The very last words of Ezekiel was, the Lord is there. You see, even in the dark, bleak moment of Israelites' history, God was threading hope all the way through there of restoration. I'm going to restore you. I've got a remnant I'm going to save. I'm going to build a new temple. Not just in Jerusalem, but I'm going to build a brand new temple that out of that temple is going to flow the river of life. And there's going to be healing for all nations. And there's one other thing I want to point out is Derek is coming. Over 30 times in the book of Ezekiel, God uses this phrase, and then they will know. 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 What are they going to know? And then they will know that I am the Lord. And then they will know that I am God. You see, in judgment, he was saying, and then they will know. When they judge the other nations, and then they will know. And everything that God was allowing to happen and God was doing, he was doing it for a purpose that they will know that I am God. And if you go to the book of Revelation and we see the judgments of God in Revelation, the bowls of wrath being poured out. But if you notice something about that, God was giving them, even during the tribulation period, God was giving the world an opportunity to repent. He was giving them. He loved them so much that he was giving them an opportunity to repent, and instead of repenting, they rebelled and mocked. And so I look at this book, and as dark and gloomy as it may seem, and as we look at the different judgments of God and what God is speaking and all that kind of stuff, I want you to focus more on the threads of hope that God is giving to all of us. I know that the day and time that we live in today seems bleak. 
Things are not going as we had planned, as we had hoped for. Even in the church world. I, I, I thought for sure this would be over with. That we would get back to normal, some normalcy. I, I really did. I'm not a prophet. Never claimed to be a prophet. But I thought this would have been over with. But it's not. And I know there's a heavy weight on all of you. And there's that spirit of fear that's trying to grip you and hold on to you. And then we read a book like Ezekiel and we see the doom and gloom. But I want you to look beyond that and see the threads of hope that God is giving to you and to, I, to me. Yes, there are consequences. Sin is serious and there are, it bears consequences. But God, and God has to judge sin. But for you and I, God has already judged that sin on the cross. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that God will judge me individually. And he's already judged me individually because I accepted Jesus and you the same. And I'm so thankful that even though there's a ripple effect of the consequences of sin in the world, I'm so glad that God said, I'll never leave you. There's a remnant. I'm going to preserve a remnant. And I will never leave you nor forsake you, even in a moment of death, even when you see death, even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is saying, listen, even in all of this and, and the ripple effects and everything that's going on, I want you to know, I want you to know, I want you to know that I'm in you. I live within you. I'm in your heart. I'm in your life. And I will forever be with you, even, even in the moment of death. I'll not leave you. I'll not forsake you. And I want you to know that I'm preparing a place. I want you to know there's going to be a new temple. I want you to know that out of the temple there's going to flow a river. And it's going to bring healing to the nations. And it's going to be bring life. And so today I want you to know there's hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope and having your sins forgiven. There's hope in that your sins are judged. There's hope that he will be with you to the end of the age. There's hope that this is not all there is to life. There's so much more. Father God, I love you today. And I know, God, that I, I feel the weight. I feel the heaviness. I see the effects of sin. And I know, Lord, it may not be their sin or my sin, but we're feeling the effects of it. But God, I'm glad to know that you've given me a hope. And today my hope is in you. And Lord, I want to refocus my attention, my eyes, my heart upon you today. God, I want this church, those that are watching online, I want us to refocus our attention, our mindset, our heart and our desire, our thoughts upon you today. Because even though we live in a sin-cursed world, and even though it may affect us in some negative way, God, you are with us. You're saving us. 
You redeemed us. And you're giving us a future. And it's a glorious future and a glorious life. So would you speak to our hearts today? Lord, if there's someone in this congregation or watching online, God, that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, you said, God, you said that if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would believe in our heart that you have raised him up, that we would be saved. God, that if we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he paid the price for sin and that he died for our sin and he was resurrected on that third day, God, if we really believe that to the place where we accept you and we, God, just give our life to you, God, you said that we would be saved. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what the world does, we can be saved today. And we can have peace in the midst of the chaos if we just look to you today. So would you touch our hearts today? God, I pray, God, that if there's any wicked way in me, if there's any wicked way in us today, God, I pray that you would reveal it to us. God, show me Show me, show me so that I can repent, so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be covered with your blood today. God, if any of us need to do that, help us to repent and follow you. God, I just pray your blessings and I pray that you touch our hearts and God, give us a heart of flesh today instead of a heart of stone for the hope that we have in you. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Would you stand with me? Would every eye head be bowed to me? And we're going to sing this song of worship. As Derek and them are leading us, this altar's open today. Maybe today you don't know Jesus. If you're watching online, you don't know Jesus, today is your opportune moment. Today is a day of salvation. Today is your opportunity to receive your forgiveness. To have your sins judged on the cross of Jesus. So that you can be in a right relationship with Christ. If that's you today, this altar is open. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to. There's others. If you'd like, we'd pray with you today. But I want you to make sure, make sure that your sins are covered in the blood so you can live in the hope of Jesus Christ's return. Would you sing it? Oh, I've heard a thousand stories what they think you're but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.